Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars... Well, I'm going to Stacks and Jackson. I'm going to on the board. SP Futures up 13. NASDAQ Futures up 54. We're trying to uh, push forward here. Yesterday we were... Uh, uh, we had kind of an inside day, but we ran up a little bit on the close. Uh, now this morning we seem like we're pushing that forward again. After uh, a very uh, a down day, pretty good down day on Monday, a real big up day on Tuesday. Yesterday kind of an inside day. Today it looks like we're going to try and go up, up again. Um, we will see. Do we have Mr. Kevin? Good morning. How are you doing today? We're doing all right. We've made our way through in through the fog or smog or whatever the hell it is. Oh. Well, whatever, whatever the hell it is, you know, the, the Canadians uh, have, have now initiated this long-term smoke attack on us, and I think it's time that we go uh, with the full force of our military capabilities and, and go marching into Canada and take them over. This is an unprovoked attack, and I think we need to do something What, what do you mean? It. It's an assault on global warming. It's going to help global warming. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's, it, it is nasty. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is really a- is. Anybody who can't, anybody asthma can't breathe, in real trouble. I mean, it's. Uh, I guess we had a little bit of rain further north, but we had a few drops at my place, but not enough to knock enough out of the air. That's for sure. Um, just when you thought you heard all the traffic crap, as I've been buzzing around this week doing a few errands, uh, uh, <laughs> the one about the the four car huge pileup right in my old neighborhood as I was down south at a at a city street corner, you'd swear it was a seventy mile an hour crash. One car was up against a tree, a big SUV. Well, yesterday, they, some guy, there's a, there's a, I guess a bump in the Kennedy or a crash, whatever you want to call it, and a guy in a motorcycle goes down, right? So the motorcycle is laying in the middle of the expressway. Well, actually, no, it was the middle of the left lane of the expressway. And they can't find the guy. So they're looking around for, like, a body buried somewhere, kicked up over the thing under the tra- rail tracks and all kinds of stuff. Then they're checking to see if anybody like, took the injured dude to the hospital or anything like that. Turns out the guy, the guy just dashed. They ran the the plate on the bike. The bike was stolen in Connecticut like four days ago. The guy gets out here, wipes it out of the Kennedy, and just leaves it there. <laughs> Kevin, you can't you can't write you can't write fiction like this. Nobody believe it. No, you if you if you did a uh, uh, put that in the movie, everybody, no, nah, nah, you got to fix your script. Yeah, you got to. There's no way, <laughs> no way you believe that. So you, you better you better figure this out because that's that's just too preposterous. So the cops are checking like hospital emergency. They thought somebody grabbed a dude, threw him in the car. It's <laughs> the guy just left. <laughs> he drove the thing all the way from Connecticut, of course, without getting caught. You know, and uh, well, they, you know, it, uh, along those lines, there was a. Um, uh, there, there was a, a, a chase in Milwaukee where, um, you know, the, uh, a guy was driving a stolen car. And so they, 
um, I shouldn't laugh when I say this because it's tragic, but uh, he he crashed the car. He got out and ran. Uh, Ultimately, they towed the car away, and many days later, they found a dead body in the crashed car. Oh, God. Yeah. I I just... Missed him on the first try. Um, Well, I know we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. We have a lot lot of this basketball league and stuff, but, you know, I I don't... uh, I don't want to go too far with this, but it, it is stunning how people, people, Americans, can get so immune, even to the point where they love a system that is absolutely preposterously wrong by our laws. Well, not by the way the laws end up being interpreted by various creatures. And, you know, it's, it's funny, when you look back at something like, uh, you know, slavery, as, as abhorrent as it was, you wonder how people put up with it at the time. And yet you really need to take a look at what people essentially get used to in all parts of the world and even here. I mean, here we had situations where, you know, girls were 14 years old and going to work in the in the factories sewing pants and stuff because they, before they had sewing machines. And if that's what you grow up with, you just say, well, I guess it's normal. It's been there as long as I've been there. I mean, I... Maybe it sure as hell doesn't seem right to me, maybe, but what the hell am I going to do about it type of thing? And yet I, I watch the succession of basketball and the, or basketball and hockey draft picks and the incredible, they, they, they had the Salt Palace, the new place in the south side last night, was the huge Blackhawk party. And I don't know where the, the other one was, where the big thing was, where every team have, has a huge table with 15, 20 of these idiots in their... In their these picking picking people, and you know, you know what, Kevin? That is so un-American. It is so screwed up by any stretch, by any law, to have these monopoly leagues drafting people. I mean, doesn't anybody realize how? I mean, it, it's become major thing. It's become great entertainment. Well, it, but doesn't it, anybody realize it's, it's, how it's screwed un-American up? It's un-American in concept. However, it is American in that it's collectively bargained, and it's also quintessentially American in that every league does it, and people look so forward to it. Um, well, so, I'm going to say the same so, thing to you. I, so I, I agree with you on American because what we're doing is it's suppressing freedom in the labor market. Um, I'm going to say the same thing to you. I do to Lou. There is no such thing of real collective bargaining against a monopoly. Uh, explain. Well, you have 31 bleeps that somehow have a monopolistic NHL, NBA, you name it, NFL, Major League Baseball, that have to vote people into the league. You and I can't form a team and have a baseball team. That's that's insane. That's like saying we can't have a hot dog stand until the other hot dog stand owners vote us in. Not only that, we got to pay them to get in. It's, 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 it's interesting because what you're really saying is that the league is the entity, is the employing entity. Yeah. Um, and yet, uh, to avoid antitrust, essentially what they're saying is that each of the teams is its own unique entity. Um, but I, I do see what you're saying is the breakdown there is that nobody from the outside can come and play in that league or, or play on those, against even play against those teams. Well, it's it's no different in concept than all the young ladies that were in the the uh, sweatshops in the 1800s 
all of a sudden getting a union together against the, the, the three owners and, and bargaining for, uh, you know, uh, whatever. W- one sick day every five years versus another. Say, so see, they have, they have collective bargaining. It was, never, it was never an arm's length transaction by any stretch. It may be a collective bargaining agreement, but they, they had nothing going in. I mean, how do you how do you how do you collect a bargain against somebody that that uh, you might you might be able to get a bigger piece of the pie, okay? But but you, you well, and that's generally what they've done with. But I mean, but the, but nowhere in the bargaining thing is no. If somebody if, if I mean, does anybody honestly think? Uh, well, I guess a lot of people do. I mean, that if the Bears leave Chicago and go to God knows where, Zimbabwe, let them go, that somehow the Bear, the Chicago shouldn't say major city. Six and a half million dollars rent, sixty some thousand person stadium. It's all yours. Get a football team together, and you all and, and play the NFL. Then the NFL goes, oh no 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 no, you got to pay a hundred million dollars to us to have a football team. We we got to vote you in. And by the way, if we don't like you, if you're Trump or I don't know, Cuban finally got in someplace, if we don't like you, we can. Kevin, that's wrong. <laughs> it's just wrong. <laughs> so how how would you reorganize the business model on that? I think you just you, you strip away the, the the antitrust, and and you and you let the chips fall where they may. Maybe there maybe there should be in Major League Baseball. Maybe there there should be the the major circuit like it is, but do they have to control everybody down the line? You and I can't have a a triple A team within a hundred miles of a major. Why do they have to own every one of those teams? Every single player in the country that's on its way to the major league, they own. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree with that. But I I understand that at some place, some place somewhere, you're gonna have to have there's 12 teams that can fit in the softball league and you know blah blah blah. But the thing of it is, you can always start another softball league in the park next door, right? If you all of a sudden you have 24 teams that want to play, I mean, whatever the, the the solution is, this isn't it. <laughs> a bunch of old guys sitting around drafting young guys because it's 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 almost queer looking. That it just it's, it. You know, I don't know the economic side of it. I mean, I, I love the drama, I love the idea, and obviously, all these kids are going to make a lot of dough. So it's not like it's, but by it's, it is. If any other business did that, people'd be horrified. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, sorry, we're we're drafting you or we're trading you. Yeah. You know, um, let me see. Where would I like to get traded? I'd have to think about that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my, probably not Green Bay. Uh, UW Green Bay? Nah. I'm not so sure you'd want to go to, uh, uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to Chicago State. I will not accept that trade. Well, look at the amount of, uh, look at the, although, it, although it, actually I could probably do some good there. Yeah, look at the amount of, uh, God, where's Manny Weber? We need him. Look at the amount of draft picks going forward the Oklahoma team has because nobody wants to play there in basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Actually, and, and just shifting into that a little bit, one of the things that I don't think teams in cities like Oklahoma City uh, that they don't do well is they don't evaluate and draft players who will fit in there culturally. And right. what do I mean by that? Well, you get a lot of basketball players that grow up in areas where things like hunting, fishing, uh, you know that kind of thing. I mean, Green Bay should be uh, should be thriving on this concept because well, that's what the Vikings. That's what Lou's dad. Man, uh, the Vikings love that stuff. 
Yeah, it, because uh, it, 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 the outdoor sports are so prevalent and so accessible there um, that that's what you can do on your days off. Just like some uh, some of the athletes love to play golf, and so you want to play. You want to live in a city where you can play. Go- if you're a basketball player, can you play golf in Chicago in the, on your day off in the in the winter? No. But uh, can you play golf if you live in Miami on your on your days off? Yes, you can. So you know, you what you need to do, I, I would think, is you need to focus not just on um, on on the talent that's important, and you want to get the best players you can. But if you you know, it needs to be a factor in who you decide to take. Uh, it needs to be a factor of uh, of what they like to do in life or what they might like to do in life if you're signing free agents you know some guys uh, if, if you're Miami maybe some guys like Charles Barkley never took never took up golf until after he was uh, in the NBA it looks like it if you've ever seen Charles Barkley swing it looks like he just took up golf yesterday yep but uh, and he's worked uh, and he's worked on it too <laughs> yeah but if he if he loves to play uh, if, if he loves the sport then that's a guy that a southern team would really want to uh, you know uh, Put on and make a priority as a free agent, as opposed to somebody who's going to come here and be not unhappy. On the other hand, you might have some players who, you know, it, it's cultural. It's things like uh, you know the arts or the dining scene or things like that. And so you know, then you're going to focus in on that. And I think that would make a lot of sense. And I don't really see much emphasis on that. Well, uh, it's two things, though. I mean, if you're and and then of course there is also the tax implications of where you live, and that's another factor. Well, if you're a a Chicago, or whatever. If you're a football player, at most you're someplace from July to January, right? So you're you're talking six months. So you really don't have to. I mean, you you know, if, certainly if you're a baseball player and and you don't like St. Louis, while you're during the season, half the time you're on the road, the other half you're playing every day. It can't make that much difference to you, really. What's I mean? There's no time there to do anything else. I mean, it might. I guess you could go to the four o'clock bars in Chicago, but that might screw up your baseball. But I mean, you you still have an awful lot of time if you're making some decent dough to live somewhere else and do what you want to do the rest of the year. I mean, you, I mean, how many how many of the Cubs live in Chicago or the Bears? I mean, I, I don't know. Actually, there's quite a few of the Hawks that live here. Because uh, well, it's a northern city. Most guys, you know. Hockey players are from northern cities. Yeah, but a guys, a lot of guys will live in Florida, Arizona, uh, yeah. you know, Southern California in the off season, and then they have a residence uh, that has access to the ballpark. But you know, the question gets to be, okay, what do you like to do when you have free time? Right, but my and, my, my point is, and, and that's going to vary from one person to the next. And we kind of we kind of beat this one up. But the, I think the theme is not so much what's going on, but if you. Like, <laughs> Thursday nights are night. We go out, guys down here for a for a uh, adult beverage. If I were to say, God, these these drafts are all bleeped up. I, I, I tell you what, if there's ten people at the table, I don't have one person. Who, what do you mean? I love watching it last night. Look who we got. You know, it, it it is stunning how what, what's happening. If you sort of enjoy it, if a gladiator fights around and people are getting killed and you enjoy it, in a draft, there's there's people who say, what's your problem with it? I mean, this is cool. This is great. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it it is. Well, it can be both. It can be wrong, and it can be cool. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's true. But I mean, it, it, it's stunning how. I mean, and, and you see what's sliding over into uh, the monopolies you see in businesses. Well, why should Google be anything? Why is that? Why is that a problem? Google's cool. 
Microsoft, I, I love Apple. You know, I, they, they said, you know, you have, but Apple produces stuff in China. Don't they have, like, slavery and bad political stuff? I don't care. I like my Apple. Who cares? I mean, it, it ends up being part of the dynamic. And I'm sure it was part of the dynamic when we had child labor. It probably was part of the dynamic, unfortunately, for sure, when we had slavery. What's the problem? That's the way it's always been. Everybody's cool with it. No, no, they're not. So, <laughs> no, so no, your not. ethics question gets to be, where do you draw your line? Um, it, it, where, you know... It, and that that's a challenge that um, you know I, I get to raise in classes all the time. Is okay now you know this. Uh, is is this a bridge too far or not? Um, it, you know is uh, uh, you know my, one of my crusades is is Coke products. I will not buy Coke products. I w- I have refused to buy anything that's in the Coke family of products ever since they sponsored the Beijing Olympics. Why? Because. Those were a showcase for the Chinese Communist Party. They were never intended to be anything else, and anybody who jumped on board with that was basically giving tacit approval to the CCP. And that's not okay with me. And they so would, they I would say, I won't buy Coke products. They would say it's it's just business, and we got to. I don't. Fortunately, and, and, and yeah. I get that. And for me, it's not just business. And so, you know, does Coca-Cola uh, give a poop about what I have to say? Probably not. Um, but uh, if, if there became a movement on there, and we are seeing movements in other areas um, that uh, that have come along, uh, so it, you know you, you are starting to see some pushback on t- on uh, some of the uh, political stances that people have taken. So you know maybe uh, maybe the worm is turning. Now. Well, I would say it's it's indeterminate because unfortunately uh, my job is to watch markets all day for clients and, and myself uh, and, and for the listeners to the show. But you, if you had somebody on there on, on any of these news stations that said, wow, I just toured this this planet and everybody in there was a slave, nobody's getting paid. By the way, uh, you know, they were, they, were, they were taken out of their house forcefully, blah, 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 blah. They have no shame, Kevin, of having a guy on there or a lady two seconds later saying, man, it looks like China's coming back from COVID. you got to be an investor in China. I mean, they have, they have absolutely zero shame about doing that. Yeah, I, I have seen a lot of people on uh, on media, on some of the business media, though, starting to talk about you, you know the the political implications of being involved with China, not just ethically speaking, but the the fact that uh, you know the idea that you can uh, you can have it all taken away from you essentially, and therefore. Um, you know that people should be getting out of China and they should be finding other sources. This was part of the meetings with India last week, um, uh, that when the Prime Minister of India came over, is to set up some new uh, trade agreements, supply chain agreements with India. I don't know if India is where I'd want to be either. Um, I they don't can't, know. They, again, they don't. They can't stop buying Russian oil. They don't care. Yeah, so, you know, as I said, I, I don't know if that's where I'd want to be. You know, given my druthers, I'd say, you know, if, if you really want, uh, you know, if you want to improve your supply chains, bring them back within the boundaries of the USMCA uh, at the very least and uh, and start looking to, uh, um, 
you know, bringing them within the boundaries of the United States and, and looking at automation. Uh, and, and even if the paybacks are longer, as long as it's paying back, you're going to have good, re, uh, stable, reliable supply chains. But that's just me. Well, I've heard, uh, that, I've heard also, that. that also implies a certain amount of mining that we're not willing to do and, and things like that. So it's not, it, it's, not, it's not an easy-peasy solution. But over the long haul, if I were trying to guide, um, guide us into, a, into stable supply chains, that's what I would be uh, looking at as a politician. I, I would say you are correct that, that the... There's a lot of concern with China, the political risk and so forth, but it's it's clearly the business political risk. It's it's I haven't heard any anything remotely resembling the moral risk. It's no, you really don't hear that a lot. You hear what you hear is a lot of dodging when it's raised. Yeah, but you'll 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 say, well, yeah, you know, look what happened to Jack Ma, wherever you know they'll be able to take your place if you don't like it, or this or that or the other thing, uh, or. Even in here, they're not going to buy NBA stuff if somebody in the NBA says anything bad about them. It's not like they re- restrict it to their own borders, and you know, and and there's people here watching their people. I mean, I, I, how we allow that, I have no idea, but but we do. But it's not. You'll never say I, I'm pulling my stuff out of China because they have these these policies toward people. You'll never hear anybody say that. It'll, I mean, it, it'll be a, it'll be business risk. You're right about that. Uh, yeah, well, that's okay. I, you know, look, Tom, I, uh, this is another one of the uh, favorite things that uh, my students will tell you I say all the time. I'd like you to do this because it's the right thing to do, but I think I can convince you that it's the smart thing to do as well. Well, I mean, I, I would say that if you had a CEO of a bigger company that says, I'm not going to do anything over there, I was selling stuff, you know, I don't know, I guess... If everybody buys it, you know, and there's a, it's an arm's length transaction, and and then when the workers are here or other places, I guess I may have a little bit of a difference with that. We know that might be my line, but if you were to say I'm, I'm going to pull our plant out of China because, by the way, uh, the people over there aren't making enough or something, I don't think your CEO for more than a week anywhere. Just saying. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. And you know, and the issue with China is it is hard to tell people you to, uh, and and maybe impossible to tell people you have to ignore that market as a place you want to sell. And so, if you want to thrive in that market, there are you know you, you can run into compromises that uh, that you you know that are distasteful. Let's put it that. Let's say to put it nicely. Um, so yeah, you can run into that. The question you know that that I would start asking then is how how much do you want to become reliant on a market where the rug can be just pulled out from under you? Well, it also has to do and, with... And I think that's that that's a significant... Again, let's go back to what's smart business. Let's go back to doing a good job on risk assessment um, because if once you do the risk assessment, you might start thinking about that market differently. Well, uh, we'll talk about it after, but we'll set it up because you have other stuff I, I know you want to talk about, but it, it, it goes down to the very core of everything we do. We do not just us. Anything human beings do, and it's it's not like I'm going to fix it at all. I mean, if there is a fix, but it, it's it's right down to the core. I mean, Carl has been the most outspoken, saying the China situation is really we break it down to two things: it's offshoring our child labor and our cheap labor, and not caring how people are treated, and it's offshoring our pollution. It's essentially what we've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, same way in some of the plants in Mes- Mexico. Okay, it's okay to pour crap in the Rio Grande River on the other side, not from our side. Okay, but isn't it the same river? But I mean, look—I don't have to go very far from from my neighborhood. I mean, where there was a uh, there was a long period of time where everything on uh, uh, well, Goose Island for sure, but the whole area there—it was a corridor. It was all manufacturing. And back during the 
Daly era or even George, uh, the Washington era, uh, you know, the idea was we got to keep factories in Chicago, so you couldn't put any houses or anything up or condos up in there. It was it was considered an industrial area, uh, so it had to be some sort. I mean, you couldn't put a new car dealer there. You could put your repair facility, that that kind of stuff. Anyway, so there was this outfit that did uh, recycled metal. Okay, and it wasn't the cleanest place. I mean, I don't know. They claim they that they obeyed the law. Who the hell knows? But nobody wanted the mostly Hispanic and black people pulling up every morning with their pickup trucks full of metal they got from people's alleys, even though they never heard it. They never heard anybody those people. Nobody wanted that. Nobody wanted the place giving off whatever fumes it did. They just didn't want it in their neighborhood. Now, but now the same people will go absolutely bonkers. If they don't buy something that's recycled, okay, the how the hell do you recycle metal? You, re- you recycle it through a recycled metal, metal, but just not in my neighborhood. Now, if there was a way that we could take all this metal, dump it on a barge, get it to China, and have it done over there, and never have to watch it, that that'd be fine. So somewhere along the line, individual people have to say, "What do I want here? I mean, what am I doing here?" And and in me, I'm sitting. So now they found a place on the east side. Where they were going to put this place? This is a something. What's the name of the place? Something metal. I'll think of the name of it. And uh, then they, they, the city gives them a permit, and all of a sudden, the people in that area, mostly African American, say, "Hey, what the bleep? <laughs> the, the white people didn't want this thing in their neighborhood, and now you're putting it in our neighborhood. Uh, it doesn't matter how far away you are. It's it's a it's now it's a thing. We don't want these people here because you didn't want them there. So now now they don't have a home there." So it's not like there isn't any place in this city where you can have a, a scrap place because there's all kinds of room in the city. But now it becomes a thing, not in my backyard either. And yet there isn't anybody, if you, if you were to say that, oh, by the way, all the bridge girders downtown here for the, the uh, Jane Byrne are probably recycled metal, everybody cheers and pats himself on the back from someplace. Now where's the someplace? Just not yeah. by me. <laughs> it's yeah. And any place else. One of the things that uh, that we can do as consumers is just start looking, especially for significant purchases. Go online, look at the supplier code of ethics that each company has, and and what they expect of their suppliers. Now, how well they live up to it is another issue, and there's that that takes a little more research. But it's it's really interesting to compare. Uh, compare one to the next in the same industry because some of them are much more uh, equivocate much more than others. You can go look, for instance, if, you know, for cell phones before you buy a cell phone, go look at uh, the supplier code of ethics for Motorola and stack it up against Apple and Samsung. It's much stronger. It's much stronger wording because that's kind of the nature of, Mo- of the way Motorola does business anyway. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- there are ways to check it out. Um, and uh, you know that I, I've always found. And yeah, where does that help that, you if your kids say they want an apple? It, it helps you learn to, you know, be a be a damn parent and say no, we don't buy apple products. Now, kid, you want to save up your your thousand bucks or twelve hundred bucks or whatever it is to buy yourself an apple phone? Knock yourself out. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your own money, but we ain't spending my money on that. Now, speed futures up twelve. As if you're just up 49, we're roasting the whole world here. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, my face, Jackson. I'm tomorrow. Andrew on the board. SP Peter's up 12. Nancy Peter's up 49. Looks like we're going to rally up here today a little bit. We've got the Dow Futures up 108. Individual stacks. We've got uh, Boeing up a buck 11. We've got JP Morgan up a buck 69. I got uh, Salesforce up 122. So I'm. You know, there's only a couple of couple of reds in here, and they're not very much. Uh, they must have been hearing Kevin talk Coke's down 27 cents. I'm thinking that must have been he was uh, did something with the Coke there by saying he didn't like him anymore. Uh, around the rest of the world, we have uh, we had Joe Biden talk about Bidenomics here yesterday, which of course made it difficult to get back in the city. Every every street corner, even though we don't have any police in this town to do much, 
we street corner had 10 cops blocking people from going near where the motorcade was, so we had people for that. Must have paid double time or something. Uh, DAX up 39.2%, FTSE down 18.2%, CAC around up 58.8%, so kind of mixed, but to the upside over in Europe, over in Asia, Nikkei up 40, let's call that flat, Hang Seng down 237, 1.2% as they continue, up, down, up, down, they're under 19,000 again, they had big update yesterday after five losing days in a row, and now they're back down, Shanghai down 7.2%. Uh, as a review of yesterday, Dow was down 74, S&P down 1. NASDAQ, however, was up uh, 36. The futures were all up because they flew up after the close. Uh, so it actually felt like an up day if you trade futures like we do. 10-year uh, uh, up 3 basis points, 3.75. The Bund up 2 basis points, 2.34. Japan unchanged, 0.38. We've got oil up 30 cents. It's still under 70, but close to it, 69 86, Brent up 34 cents, 74.37. Natural gas up a penny, 267. Arbob unchanged, 259. We've got gold, which can't go anywhere. It's going down even more today, down 450, 19.17. Silver down 3 cents, 23.05. Copper down 4 cents, 367. We've got Bitcoin up 542, back firmly over 30,000 again, 30,620. We have the US dollar is down slightly uh, with, the, with the euro now over 109, 1093. And the uh, British pound at 126.5. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is a 644 here in Chicago. Starting off with some sports, with some baseball. Uh, let's see, over in uh, Arizona, the Diamondbacks lost to the Rays 3 to 2. Uh, the White Sox won over the Angels 11 to 5. And the Cubs lost to the Phillies 8 to 5. Over to some Chicago weather, it is currently. Let's see, 71 degrees, uh, and this is new here. I've never seen smoke listed as the current condition outside. Uh, so don't expect sun, expect smoke, and also some slight chances of rain throughout the day. It's like about 24% right There'll now. There'll be sun, but you don't need your sunglasses. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so do do uh, watch out for that air quality. Try to stay indoors as much as you can. Um, over in Phoenix, it looks like uh, they are getting an excessive heat watch. Um, they're currently at 80 degrees. They got clear skies, and they're gonna hit around. Let's see. Looks like 105 around 5 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, it looks like a pretty busy one today. Uh, we got some inbound traffic on nearly all the expressways. Uh, no accidents to report on them. That's the Dan Ryan, the Eisenhower, and the Stevenson. Um, it looks like on that good old Kennedy uh, construction. There was an earlier stall that looks to have cleared uh, right before Addison Street. That's causing some delays uh, uh, near there, but otherwise, it seems about business as usual. So, that's all I got. See, now, if you're the president, you could take the helicopter from O'Hare to Soldier Field and avoid the Kennedy. Oh, exactly. It's a lot easier. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Hey, hey Kevin, uh, let's real quick, just to, for those of the listeners that don't know, I don't want to go crazy on this thing because a lot of people don't, don't give a crap about hockey. But I just want to go through a few of these top picks. It is... So remarkably different than certainly the the uh, well, it's certainly than football, where everything, every just about everybody's coming from some. I want to say almost exactly everybody's coming from some major college. Whether that will change someday, I don't know. But or even from a college, because you get some guys yeah. from the smaller schools. But this is really bizarre. I'll just go through the first like five people here. Out of the the uh, Hawks, grab Connor Bedard. We've heard the name all over the place. The kid's seventeen. Uh, he's the first Western League hockey skater with 140 points and whatever and had a 35-game streak. He's been the best player at, like, every league growing up, even though he's, all, well, he's probably the youngest player in the league. So 
he's considered a can't miss. He seems like a decent enough kid, blah, blah, blah. No, he's never played in any college. He's 17 years old. Now he's going to go right to the Hawks. Okay, so there's no having to masquerade as a college student, nothing like that. You can go right from whatever. So he's going to come right here, and he's going to play next year, allegedly. Uh, now, the, now the number two guy is uh, Anaheim Ducks grabbed this guy from SWE, which is the Swedish Hockey League. He's 18. He's a uh, Swedish Junior Hockey Player of the Year. If he let all under 19 players and whatever, and goals and points and tied for the first and assist, blah, blah, blah. So he's coming from Sweden. So now you have the, the number three guy. Now this kid is a center from Michigan. Did you see him play Adam Fantilli? I'm sure I did. I don't remember him. Uh, but now here, this is interesting. When the hack, Ho- Hobie Baker Award is the top men's player in NCAA ice hockey this season. He's 18 years old. He's a freshman. Led NCAA players with 65 points. Was tied for first with 30 goals in 36 games. How did, how did this kid not get drafted last year? Wherever he came yeah, out, yeah, that is kind of surprising, isn't it? Uh, he he's a he's a freshman being being drafted as a freshman, and now he's uh, he gone. Now, the, but now the, the the Canadians, this is even more bizarre. They they draft a guy from. Uh, uh, let me see where the hell he's from. I think he's from Russia. Uh, oh, a lot of Russian guys were taken. No, this guy's yeah. this guy's the top men's professional league in Switzerland. So he's coming from Switzerland. Uh, and uh, he's going to come right here. And he's all—he's from Austria, but he was, in the, he was in the junior league in Switzerland. All right, so they got this guy coming. He's the defense, best defenseman available, blah, blah, blah. He has experience playing against older, more experienced competition in National League in Switzerland and the World Championship. Has a well-rounded game, strong enough to handle things in his end. Because the kid is, well, he's like 18, but he, how big is he? He's 6'2", 195, so he's a big kid. So then, then you come down to the next guy is... Dimitri, I'm not going to go with this name. See, you can draft somebody out of Russia, <clears throat> and they can just sure. leave. I mean, we're out, any, we're, even though we're, we're fighting them. I, and I, we're, I am sure that there are some potential visa issues that can come into play, uh, whether it's exit or entry. I yeah, but yeah, pretty much. We have a lot of Russian players playing in the NHL, so it's not. It it doesn't seem to be a barrier nowadays. Um, like it, like it was a long time ago. He played in the Continental with a K. Hockey League, uh, this is his first year. The guy's 6'4", 200 pounds, a big kid, 18-year-old, um, and he's... All right, I'm going down to the next one is what I'm going to ask you about. Is this guy is uh, um, St. Petersburg somewhere or another. He comes from... Now, he has to... He's, he's going to give his first year to uh, the Boston... Uh, playing for the Boston... No, not him. The number eight, number eight guy here is uh, Ray Leonard is going to go to uh, Boston College for a year. So they drafted him at a, like a high school, and now he's going to college for a year. And yet the kid of Michigan wasn't drafted. How did they? I don't see how he got missed know. in high maybe school. Maybe he was a sleeper. Yeah. I don't you know. I, I I don't know what to tell you about the guy from Michigan. Um, you know, I know that the, the uh, second player that the Blackhawks took in the first round was considered the best skater in the draft. He's going to Minnesota next year. I think I think that's what I read. Is that he's going to Minnesota. Um, but there was a much more important and pressing question that I asked you via text last night. Uh, what was that? How how was their uh, uh, how, how was the draftees attire compared to oh, the NBA you know what? guys? It, it, these guys compared to the NBA, the uh, NBA guys, every guy looked like he had just gone out and his mom had bought him a suit or a sport coat 
just like it would have been us when we were our age. Every one of these kids looked like they never wore a tie before. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the the NBA guys looked like they dragged out their prom uh, prom tuxes from last year. Oh yeah, it was, it was everything was custom made. Every, none of these kids had an entourage. They're all just sitting there with their parents. Is a total, let's just say there's a totally different dynamic between total, totally different culture uh, <laughs> around the sport. Yeah, uh, it's not even not even close, not even close. And uh, and uh, you know, I there's an awful lot of people playing hockey. The only the only issue I have, you know, kind of with hockey, it's not an issue. It just costs a lot to play the game. I mean, you and I were uh, 16 inch softball players. One bat, one ball. 20 people play, right? And it's it's sort of the same principle as soccer. You know, there you don't need a bat. Uh, but the difference in your chances of playing hockey if you live on the North Shore versus Inglewood is like it's like night and day, right? I mean, it's not even. I mean, my my friend down the block whose uh, daughter is married into couple of families up there that have dough. I mean, their kids, they've already, they're, they're 10 and they've already been around the world playing hockey. I don't know how, I, I, the hockey budget in the family's got to be 50 grand. You know, I mean, there's how many, how many sheets of ice up and water. Oh, God, yeah, it's, it's, it's an expensive sport to play. And it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's just different. And I, and I say, well, don't, don't the kids like play baseball or softball? I don't know, we must play that. They're all playing hockey. Okay, fine. I mean, I guess, you know, it's a lot of dough. I mean, it's a, uh, of course, even playing you know high school baseball now, you need a what a five hundred hour bat every half a year because you wear it out, right, or something? Because you because you wear it out. Yeah, that's the nice thing about using the uh, uh, alloy bats in softball is that you don't really care that much. Hey, hey let's let's hit a, a just a few uh, short hits. That's probably what we have time for, and then yep. tomorrow we can spend a lot more time on on some of these alternate paths to the NBA because I think that's an interesting subject too. Um, but you were talking about John Banner earlier this week. Yeah, the the great John Banner. You know, I know I, I see nothing. I hear nothing. I did not even yep. get up this morning. Um, he he was is actually kind of an interesting background. He was born way back in 1910. So you know this a, a different different geographical map. He was born in the Austro-Hungarian Empire uh, in an, in a part that is now part of Ukraine. Um, and uh, uh, and and is a uh, Jewish family, and so they they fled the area for World War II. But before then, um, he uh, he was studying law uh, before deciding to become an actor. Interestingly, he uh, he was uh, enlisted in the uh, uh, U.S. Army Air Corps, and he really? became a supply sergeant. So he really was a sergeant. Um, and and he really was a non-combat sergeant, just like yeah. just like Schultz. <clears throat> um, and, and and the dude has uh, you know over uh, forty feature films to his credit, where he's had roles in there. He uh, he appeared in all kinds of fifties and sixties TV shows, and and the list is pretty interesting. I know I've seen him in The Untouchables. Um, he he had a role that appeared a few times, but he was even in. The Lone Ranger, Sky King. Uh, oh, all those guys had massive it, it, amounts yeah. of roles and stuff like that. Yeah, Adventures of Superman, Father Knows Best, Mr. Ed. I'd love to see that Mr. Ed episode. I have to check that out. Um, and uh, and so this, you know, even the man from Uncle. So he's he has some interesting stuff going on there. But of course, he's most famous for his role in Hogan's Heroes. Well, the, the uh, one of the wacky things, you know, it, it, it's addictive. I. Like twice a day, I get something from this, uh, you know, Cora Cora group, and one of the things I've I've learned in there more about more than really anything else, well, I learned a lot about uh, baseball because there's people in there to go nuts on baseball, but and statistics and so forth. But the one thing it's the 
they're constantly asking questions about uh, actors and actresses during the wartime, and did any of them were any of them in the, in the war? <clears throat> and you know what? There's a lot of them that had a, a major effect and uh, and did some really interesting stuff. David Niven was was he was like a uh, a spy for Britain. It was behind the lines half the time, and he was a he was a seriously hard ass guy. I mean, uh, the the dude in uh, what's the the uh, one of the John Wayne uh, trilogies, the horse trilogy, John Ford ones. There was a guy in there who uh, uh, he said to him, he, it "Was one Marine Harrow was in it?" Anyway, the guy shows up and he's got he's only got a patch over one eye. And John Wayne, the guy says something about he asks him and he says, "Don't you have?" We're leaving tomorrow. Don't you have a bunch of tasks to perform or something? <laughs> Get away from me. I got my wife here type of thing. Turns out the guy was like the most decorated dude. He was in I don't know how many battles and lost his eye in one of them. And I mean, a lot of these dudes, Jimmy Stewart was a general, for God's sake. Oh, heck, Hedy Lamar. Yeah. Was a code, was a code cracker. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, she came up, you know, with some, uh, some great scientific inventions. Actually, wasn't, um, she wasn't a code cracker. She found a way for the torpedoes to uh, get rid of. Actually, it was one of the the found building blocks of the internet. It turned out to be. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's cool. But you mentioned baseball, so yeah. I'll go. To, I'll shift to baseball. Uh, the White Sox hit four home runs last night. One of them with uh, uh, Lewis Robert had one with two ma- uh, with one man on, so it was a two run homer. The other three were solo home runs. And in fact, uh, earlier in the week, the uh, uh, the White Sox had a string of seven straight solo home runs, and they are one of the uh, uh, MLB leaders in solo home runs. Um, so they're not getting a lot of mileage why, out of the home runs they hit. Why it doesn't seem like no matter who the general manager is, they end up with a lot of big guys that all should be like first basemen or catchers very designated little, hitters, actually. Yeah, very, very little team speed in station-to-station baseball. No matter, it, it, it's just bad drafting. It's it's bad team construction, roster construction. Now, if you look at the solo home runs, Tampa is by far the leader, sixty-nine point six percent. Is there a place small? Uh, pardon? Is there a place abnormally small or no? Um, I, you know that's a good question, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, uh, have to check out their their uh, their ballpark, but then you you drop down you know so the, the, the three point six percentage points is a lot because you drop down to the Angels at sixty six, then Texas at sixty five two, and then the White Sox and uh, uh, the Marlins are tied at sixty five percent even. Um, so not surprisingly, there is a strong correlation between that and on base percentage. Of which the White Sox are dead last. Uh, yeah, well, that's, the, that's, that's uh, unsurprising. Um, in, By the way, our buddy League Mike baseball. says uh, the Yankees had a perfect game last night. Huh? I didn't see. Yeah, that. they did. I, I saw that. Um, so yeah, so they are uh, dead last. Uh, whereas if we go, where where are the Rays here? Uh, who who are such leader, uh, league leaders? Oh, they're third in on base percentage. So it's kind of interesting. They score they they score efficiently with small ball. Um, and then hit a lot of solo home runs, which is just a, an odd combination. Uh, the Cubs are way down, uh, you know, well down the list in uh, in the solo home run percentage. The Cubs don't actually, um, they, they do hit a fair number of home runs. They've hit more than the White Sox by a long shot, um, but 
the Cubs are only 56.6%. One of the things that I'm noticing is a lot of the teams that are succeeding now are not the teams who did historically. I think, for example, if you look at the Cardinals, the Cardinals were, were built for the old rules. Yeah. And they're not built for the new rules. The Cubs seem to be very consciously building their team for the new rules, for the no shift, using the whole field, putting your bat on the ball, um, and uh, uh, and not having to worry about it. So I think you're, you know, uh, Matt had, had cited when he was in uh, earlier in the week how attendance is up around Major League Baseball. I think fans are finding the game more appealing, and I think some teams are figuring out how to deal with the new rules quicker than others. Well, I, I've always thought, as a, as a Cub fan since, God bless, my first game there was probably 1959 when my uncle took me. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that they have absolutely been idiots for all these years because they always thought because they had a small park that they should have a bunch of thumpers, and yet it really is a speed park because when the wind's blowing out, you and I can hit it out. So you don't have to, you don't have, to have a thumper to do that. And when the wind's blowing in, which is most of the time, it's a defense and, and speed park and pitching park. And they, yeah. it's, it, it, it totally is different than the way it looks. And I think for 40-some years, they've, they've got it wrong. <laughs> and now uh, this, this ownership maybe is a, is a little smarter about it. I mean, it, they should obviously realize that, the teams, that the, the teams that have won have been the teams whenever they've had a good leadoff man. They won when they had Bobby Dernier. They won when they had Jerome Walton, and they and they won when uh, they had the, what's his name? They got ended up going uh, wherever the hell he went when they won the World Series. You got to have people yeah. in, and uh, and you got yeah, Dexter Fowler. Yeah, and so yeah, but I you know it's it's kind of kind of one of those things. I just I uh, I uh, you know I just have a problem with the ownership there. But I mean it's the uh, you know it depends, and they they claim that the drafting of the last few years. You, you listen to. Uh, this is a radio. I think Ryan Coomer really does a nice job. Uh, I mean, more. It's it's a. It would be hard to do this next to Boog Jambi because you don't know, have a chance to say much. But I mean, Pat Hughes lets the guy talk, and he's talking about all through the system. Guys are generally faster than they were five years ago. That then the defense is better up the chain, and uh, and that's, you know, that's that's good baseball because when you and I in a fall softball, we played. Speed always shows up. Whenever I saw a team that was faster than us, I'm like, God, we got to we got to do something else way better than these guys. But they they were always faster than us. It wasn't like one night you might hit, one night they might hit. Guess what? You're always going to be faster, right? Yeah, uh, athleticism matters. Yeah, uh, but but how you play the game matters too. Well, yeah. Um, right, we so got, we got a dash I, I think here and you have to kick. I think you have to kick me off. So tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about conglomerates and we'll talk about the NBA draft. How's that? Yep. SP Futures up fourteen. The Futures up sixty. Be right back, Mister Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. 
That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices, along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Something happening here. Well, what about Jacks? Time time out. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 14. NZ Futures up 58. So if we are up today, uh, you know, it's early yet. We're up today. We will be you know, pretty good up on the week. We, we had a down day Monday. More than that on the up day Tuesday. Yesterday kind of an inside day with the NASDAQ up a little more. Uh, today if we're up, we'll be up on the week. we got two more days, but... Uh, as of yesterday morning, we were like dead even on the week, which is sort of weird. Uh, Dan, how are you, bud? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, you're uh, you're long and loving it. You're uh, is that what you're doing? Uh, pretty much. Uh, the you know the numbers that came out this week were <clears throat> were really positive. Um, you know the economic numbers, the home sales numbers beating expectations. Consumer sentiment beaten expectations and the job numbers also beaten expectations. And I think that was what you were just referring to. The um, you know the 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 you know the there has been this um, not necessarily reversal, but there's been a, a really good tone to the market this <clears throat> market this week. Um, the the I think there is a an, an important point that I've I've mentioned, but I actually saw it in writing the other day, and I thought I would share this, and it's from Edyard Denny, who is one of my favorite economists, and his his quote says that uh, that, that came out on Tuesday. He says that baby boomers will save the U.S. economy by spending down their seventy five trillion dollar nest egg yes that was 75 trillion dollars 
This spending can help prevent a recession at a time when savings from the pandemic have been depleted. And whatever the the seniors don't pass on to their heirs, they'll be passing on, they'll be spending in their golden years. I am 100% in Ed Yardini's camp. I always have been, I think he's one of the top economists. For all those people who still think that there's gonna be a recession, I absolutely don't agree. We're in a slow growth period. There are certain types of investments that do very well in this period, including my investment style, which is high yield, high income, does extremely well as interest rates rise. What does not do as well are the riskier um, startup tech, uh, biotech. They've already had their day. So if you think of, of tech, not so much Amazon and Tesla, but if you think of the smaller tech companies, if you think of the single product biotech firms, they aren't going to the ones. They aren't going to be the ones I would put my money in now. But the higher quality, good cash flow companies, this is a really good time for them. The other interesting thing of note this week, um, which has been happening the last few weeks, but to temper that that you know all that good economic information, in looking at the market. There is still a lack of liquidity, and the lack of liquidity can be most most highly seen in high yield bonds, which is you know my expertise since day one in the business. The spread between the bid and the offer has widened up widened up significantly. So on some bonds, <clears throat> you get a half point bid offer spread. Now you're getting as much as two points or three points. And the same thing with small cap, micro cap equities. They, the bid offer spread is much wider. Uh, they aren't trading as frequently. It's, you know, so that, um, you know, and again, that has been happening um, for the last few months, but that is an indication that we're gonna continue to see this tempering, if you will, or this slow growth rather than this crazy growth. In other words, all of this good economic news is not totally unexpected because there's a lot of money in the system but we really don't expect to see you know we don't expect to see this major um, momentum rally that you know takes us to to newer highs over and over again we do expect to see a very solid market um, but we don't expect to see a recession even with the expectation of another or two more rate hikes this year I think we're in pretty good shape. Um, I think on the, with the total numbers, you're 100% correct, which is awful radio because I'm not supposed to agree with you. I just, I'm very concerned, as you know, because we talk about it every week, of the disparity in those numbers. Because you're right, we, we're never going to hear our guys say, we're in a recession, we're going we're gonna to dodge that bullet. Yet 85% of the population, in my mind, is in a recession in terms of money they have last year versus this year. And now, but you've added another wrinkle to the argument is, what about the, the wealth bubble? The fact that with the markets and stuff running up like they are, there's this massive amount of, quote, wealth. We're now, the way, and by the way, you and I are in the business, so it's not like we're criticizing it. The way people generate wealth now <clears throat> is having markets go up, basically. I mean, you're, we're, sure. we're really not talking about 
the average American making hundred dollars a week and living comfortably on eighty and putting twenty in the bank. That that ship has absolutely sailed to the point where maybe it's never coming back. And I don't know whether when we're talking about three hundred thirty million people and not just you know the investing class, uh, I don't know that if that dog hunts. I mean, I, I, I don't know the answer, Dan, but I mean, but I think both of us recognize that you 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 could turn around and talk about people that are in recession and will be forever seemingly you could turn around what you just said and talk for that on five minutes and now now when those two ever come together if they do if there's ever a problem i don't know i mean it, it hasn't happened so far doesn't appear but it doesn't appear it doesn't appear to have i did see a statistic saying that 57 percent of of um americans live paycheck to paycheck and that that is um, clearly concerning, and I do believe I do agree with you that this bifurcation exists. Um, it's interesting that it's existing during um, Biden's administration that it isn't really being. It's paid been it's been happening, and that's not a criticism of the of the administration. It's just an observation. I think it's a, I think it's been a twenty year plan. It's a twenty year plan. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Um, but the but the. Um, but I do um, think that there is a good tone, and I do think that a lot of this has to do with all that money. And as we had spoken about last week, you know, just being in Boston, and I think, as you're saying, there are recessions in certain areas. If you think we're having a recession, go up and spend a few days in Boston. It's just, it's on fire right now. And I think I mentioned this last week, bidding, bidding wars, over asking price on properties it's oh, it's I, not happening here in florida we don't see that here we see a leveling off and that's one of the nice things about the economy here it doesn't have the 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 you know the peaks and the valleys of some of the major northeastern cities or california cities but the but you, you're right you do see it in different areas and it really depends on where you are but I think big picture, if you look at it on an aggregate basis, we're seeing um, uh, a lot of money in the system that's going to continue to fuel the economy. The other question comes in with inflation, and inflation seems to have come down a little bit. If you go to the grocery store, you're seeing certain items um, that have been priced down, but we still are not seeing it, and I do not think anytime soon we're going to see it in services. Um, you know, that would mean like think of things like construction, um, think of things like anything that's home related, I mean, that's uh, service related, home construction related, because there is still a fair amount of demand in that area. People talk about interest rates going up, having an impact, and this is where there's another bifurcation. That doesn't matter for baby boomers who have equity in their homes, who might be leaving the North or the Midwest to come to Florida, for example, or Arizona or another, you know, making a change because they've built up this equity that they will continue to pass on. But it does impact um, millennial age people who are working very hard. And I have several in my family, so I will, I will, you know, I know this from firsthand. And I also have several clients who I met with last week who all, one guy works for Amazon, another works for a large biotech firm, another works for a large insurance company. These guys are doing great, I mean, in terms of their income, but they're still struggling in terms of, you know, thinking about refinancing or moving to that next bigger home. So there is, you know, there are challenges at different parts of our, you know, in different uh, demographics, but the money that's coming from the 
baby boomers, if you will, is going to continue to keep this economy strong. So in the aggregate, if if, know, it's, I, if I, it stays there, if it stays there, if the market stays there and continues to go up, and we keep, yeah, I, I think the market is going to continue to have a good tone to it, and I and, and it's what I've been saying for the last few years. We're in a contractionary environment economically, meaning that thing, you know, pretty much across the board. We're in a higher or a growing or, or a, a rising interest rate environment, which is very normal for this environment, but we are also in a slow growth, not a no growth, not a recession, but a slow growth environment. So the slow growth, I think, will continue. And I do think, as I've mentioned earlier, that the investments that are best suited in this environment are, are on my side, on the high, on the bond side, the higher income, uh, on the equity side, the higher quality, higher income, you know, stronger cash flow businesses, and um, and certainly on and what you do and what I do, we still need that protection in our portfolios, especially for people who are trying to save for a home, especially for people who are in retirement. You want to capture that money that you've earned. You want to realize all those gains that you've you know in that money that you've worked hard for. This isn't the time, if you're in retirement, as I have clients, and I'm sure you guys do too, it's not the time to be taking that money and putting in high-risk names, because high-risk names are not going to do as well. Yes, there will be certain ones that will do well, but this is not the time to be betting. And Tom, the other thing this is not the time to be doing is to be investing in index funds or ETFs that represent the index. If you can do day trading and you can time it day to day and week to week, then great. But not not the time you'd be buying the SPY, not the time you'd be buying um, the Vanguard Total Stock Index. Better now to be selecting certain stocks in, in that have the, that high quality, that have the longevity, that have the um, you know the dip that pay dividends that are shareholder friendly that have positive free cash flow so those you know and and that's again where our strategy comes in play because we do homework on all these companies we meet with CEOs all day long it's very difficult to just throw your money in the SPY and say the market's coming back this well, is the, a bad you, environment what you have um, now when you say that <clears throat> I mean you you know what you're saying just to I'm gonna, I'll, uh, shall we say, I'll, I'll, I'll interpret it for every man. If you buy the Nasdaq, you're you're buying seven stocks over fifty percent. Right. You know, either yeah. either like them or you don't. But now those are those clearly have been the rally this year. So if you've if you missed them, uh, you missed the rally. There's no there's no I, question about I that. I agree. Yes. And uh, now you're saying, I actually, um, Dan, as scary as it may seem. Um, a, a few clients, um, they're not clients yet, but they, as you know, I get a lot of stuff coming by. People are, are, are sending their portfolios and, you know, what we do different and blah, blah, blah. I tell you what, I've, I've seen, Dan, it's, it's so scary. It made me hear, we had a couple people that last year as, as the, the, and, you know, maybe the last year and a half, as the big cap companies basically got their ass kicked. Uh, yeah. and And everybody... You know, either beat up on their investment advisor, or the investment advisor did it anyway. Because you have, when you have, I'm going to say, uh, 
uh, either retail people sometime or investment advisors they haven't been around maybe as long, there's, there's this constant desire to trade the last month's market, you know, yes. which, which is really hard to do. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's moving quickly. <laughs> it moves quickly, right? So all of a sudden, everybody was out of all these stocks. And I know that the clients that I talk to constantly on the equity side, last year it was going to be let's let's cut back to some of the dividend stuff, cut back. Let's let's decide uh, we want you know it looks to me like every every swinging idiot in the world was predicting a hundred dollar oil by now. If you didn't put oil in people's portfolio, and just, I mean I I resisted it and didn't thank God, but that's all I heard. You, you got to be an oil. Kramer says oil. All these other idiots say oil. I mean, I'm not saying they're idiots, but I just did I guess. And all of a sudden. If you had an oil, banking, high dividend stock, telephone, Verizon, those kinds of things, <clears throat> you're not even you're not just not participating, you're down on the year. Yeah. So but now what's happened is these guys must be I use the term bitching at their their investment advisors. They're all back in these stocks that have now moved up, but at like re- reasonably today's pri- prices. I'm looking at these things, I'm going, I am horrified. The last thing you want to do was to sell you know, Microsoft, I'll just pick a number, at 240 and now get back in at 250 or 350. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, agree. I mean, yeah. it's just, you, you, you sort of have to stay, I don't know, if, if, but you're talking right now that, I, that maybe now is not the time to get in the QQQs. Uh, try and sell that to somebody when that's what's up this year. Why, why aren't we in the Qs? That's what's going up. I mean, it's, 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 when you, you're in my experience, absolutely is slap it up ahead against today's today's uh, investment mentality. But one thing I did want to say about when you're talking about this wealth bubble, uh, Dan, when I when we first started, when we first started, we first started managing money for people. We had a brokerage firm for a long time before. But during the, the 90s, uh, early 2000s, we would get, you know, John and I were on the score. We were in a big station. We would get one or two or three uh, couples a month essentially blue-collar south-side people that all you know, like me, that's where I'm from, they come in and they all have this portfolio, like you're talking about, this wealth bubble. It was, it was never encumbered. And, well, maybe there might have been some people that didn't come in, but the people came in, if they, if they were going to retire from XYZ place, they both had a job, both of their 401ks made it up to, the number used to be a million, two, a million, five. If you, if you played the game since the day the 401k started and put your money in there and you got a little bit from the from the bank or the company they've matched the number was somewhere between a million and a million six everybody had the same number you started the same day if you if you were just a regular person working but none of it was ever encumbered there was never god i had a million six now i got five hundred thousand because there was a there was a hospital bill for my kid that i had to pay or i i took money out to pay this person's education, and it was a quarter million dollars or some incredible amount of dough. There was there was never any any encumbrances, any detractions from it. Now I don't think anybody makes it to the end without having to draw some of that money down for either an accident or a tuition or some kid in trouble or lending it to right. your kids. I mean, it's yeah. it's a so then none of those people had to touch any of that dough because everybody's salary covered your day-to-day stuff. I don't think it, it's covering it for I, I'll bet Dan, and we'll never, be able to, we'll never be able to have this one other than we could wrestle over it. You'd win the wrestling match. Uh, we could, I'm going to say that the, the, the uh, people's deductions from their either IRAs and 401ks in the last five or six years have been dramatic compared to the years before. 
for for emergency yeah. situations. No, I, w- I would ag- I would agree with you on that. I think that's for a combination of reasons. I I do think that there are unexpected um, costs. We also I think it's also because of inflation, and I think frankly it's also because those people who ever those baby boomers who have actually finally retired or or approaching retirement are using the money, you know, now have that as a source of capital that they didn't have like five years ago. So if you you have an IRA, now they're able to draw from it. Think about demographics and how many people have, you know, baby boomers have gone into those years now that where they're able to take money out um, without penalty. But I have seen people, even younger people, use an IRA and, and, you know, pay the penalty to buy, you know, especially people in that millennial age group to do renovation work on their homes, yep. to you know, to put the down payment on a home. And you're you're right, they're taking more and more money out. But at the same time, we're we're more money is still the, I mean, there's still yes. a fair amount yes. of money that well, money no. has been accumulated. But I, if you do, uh, and I'm a, you know, this is old guy math, Dan. And, and by the way, you know, I'm agreeing with you on the on the total number here that the numbers are impressive that people have. But when the 401k stuff started, I mean, we since I was involved, well, not me, but some of the people I knew real well were involved in the Pullman Pension Plan, and I know people in the United Airlines Pension Plan. When we dis- when we decided to, to basically bleep can all that, th- the deal was, if, if, if not you so much, but if Dan's dad and mom got in one of these plans and, and, and put it and, and came out of their, their retirement, 65, 66, with a million dollars, a million two, now they're going to be making probably uh, 40 to 50, maybe 40 on Social Security, maybe not that much. Let's say 40. And now if you put that money in a bank, you're going to make 3%, 3.25%. Inflation wasn't that big of an issue. So now you're, you're hauling in 80 grand a year. Now if, you're, if your house is uh, paid for, uh, you're pretty much okay. It gets you a car every five years. It gets you a roof when you need it. Dan, a car's eighty grand for God's sake. A roof's seventy-five. We're not, we're not even by not realizing what this inflation has done to us, and by keeping and keeping minimizing the number that we know is a lot bigger, we're making decisions that are really screwed up. I mean, I, I mean, I got since COVID, I've got the inflation total inflation. These guys are telling us it's eighteen percent. I think you and I know it's double that. Well, yeah, but we're making we're making policy decisions. That person, when I when I see the price of these roofs. In some of these suburban areas, and what I consider to be a regular house, 7580G, and then a car is 6570. I'm like, wait a minute. Not to mention, if you put your money in the bank for the last five years, you got no dough. So you didn't even you didn't even get that money, right? Now, granted, if you'd have been in Microsoft, if you'd have been in this and that, but one thing you don't want to do, Dan, and you and I know this, you can't take somebody who's 80, 85 years old, you and I can't push him out further on the risk curve than he has to be, no matter what, no matter what the returns are. You and I can't put a 95-year-old guy in in in, in, be, in beta or, or in, in, in some some stock like uh, Tesla. We, we're not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, I I absolutely agree, and, and and I absolutely agree, and I do agree with you as well that the expenses. What's happened is expenses have gone up tremendously with inflation, um, and even though the top line has gone up for the people who are working in in terms of wages. What hasn't gone up, I mean, what has gone up at the same time and even at a faster rate for people on a fixed income are expenses. So you you use the example of, you know, you're saying your parents, well, literally my parents used to have two cars and now they have one. Yep. 
Um, so it's it's a um, it's definitely a there there is definitely a um, shift towards having for people in, in in that age group, and I see a lot of them here where I live in Florida, and most of us are still waiting to re, to replace our roofs in my neighborhood, and the cost of that it, the cost of uh, repairs even with some help from the insurance company is still pretty outrageous. So it's, it's, um, there's that inflation on the expense side, if you will, is still there. So that's happening at our level, right? At the household level, but it's also happening at the corporate level. So a lot of these companies that we have looked at and a few that we've mentioned on here, on the top line are doing really well what future expectations for their businesses you know they might be they might do ev batteries for example there's a lot of really good stuff that they're that they're um going to see in the next few years there's a lot of good um upside in these stocks and they're well capitalized and they don't have a lot of debt and there's but what they do have and the biggest thing i hear the biggest concern i hear from all the ceos we speak to that expense line has gone up as well. Yep. So that means higher wages. That means, you know, there's still cost of materials. And yes, it was worse a couple of years ago. Commodity prices have come down some, but they still have higher costs. And there's, there's really, you know, at this point, trying to manage those costs, whether it be for, for my parents or the or people in the next generation, the generation above me, or whether it be for that small cap company that, that has a lot of top line growth, it is very difficult to manage the expense side. I mean, there's only so much you can cut back. So I agree with you, and I think that is a good example of something that will temper the growth going forward. Well, it seems to be tempering the growth and 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 some level. I mean, I, yes. I agree with you that in, in Boston, where it's all biotech, I don't think anybody cares. The, they don't. The, 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 the money's like, uh, you know, what was MTV? Money for nothing and the chicks for free or something like that. Yeah. I, mean, it, they, I don't think they're even – you see it here in uh, in Chicago. I heard the show the other day when uh, in some areas where people have money, you know, I mean, these are, these are my clients. I mean, before I get too crazy with this, We've had a spectacular week to the upside. I'm, I'm cheering for my guys. We've had our best <laughs> week to, we've had in a long time. Hey, with the market going up, we're longer than we ever have, yet I still have puts on everything in case everything collapses. But the uh, we have places where the, the high-end joints here, I said the ballparks and things like that, where beers are 13 bucks. Nobody nobody wants to pay. They don't want any cash, and nobody gives a crap. They give somebody a credit card. They don't care what tip goes on there. It's like, it's like it doesn't even exist. And yet... If you go on the south side and you go to places where the family restaurants and, and places like that, and even some bars that the people don't have a lot of dough, maybe retired people, they want three and a half percent if you use a credit card. They're yeah. saying we're, no, I, we're, we're I, you know we're we're not we're not raising our prices to pay these credit card companies. If you want to pay cash, we're giving you a discount. That that that's true. And you know, Tom, one industry that we haven't spoken about that really seems to get overlooked is our industry, our business, and you know the layoffs at a lot of the sell side firms and the. Yep consolidation and the, and the fee compression and um, you know trying to provide a lot more services even though a lot more has been done with technology that you know it just does not have the margins that it's had in the past and even though the market you know still has some good uh, upside and it's still a very necessary um, business we're seeing this um, you know this compression so there is uh, you know in our industry it's kind of just been relatively flat for a number of years and, and but there's definitely some pressure on the uh, when you say our industry 
You are, I learned this deal across the board, investment management, in, investment banking, because right. investment banking, as you know, the M&A activity has dried up. Um, investment, um, you know, when you look at the sell side on the, you know, investments in general, not just from investment banking, but also from the, you know, the, the spreads and the, you know, the, the ability of the, the traders to, you know, to, to make some money in that, in the market. Yeah, it's still there, but not like it used to be. Well, you, you look at, I mean, essentially what's, what's happening. I mean, I think on the money management side, people are still, uh, maybe to a lesser extent, but I, I, we, I have people all the time that are absolutely convinced that all you have to do is watch TV and buy whatever they say to buy, and you're going to beat every investment, every, every money manager. I mean, and for a few years, maybe they've been right. I mean, there's, they don't. But the and then this whole concept of of uh, free commissions, when yes, when all exactly. you all you've yep. done is is taking the money away from your your vilified broker. He doesn't deserve anything. All he's doing is ripping you off. Yet Agreed. the new guys are turning around and selling it to other people. So you have Citadel making them two million dollars a day or a million dollars a day, whatever they make, instead of regular brokers trying to help people out. And, and, and the, the 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 world seems happy with that. I mean, it's I mean I. We got a dash here, damn it! I was at a party of some guy, this older, older dude. He, he trades all day long through, through like Robin Hood, and he says, "Well, it's free." And I go, well, "It's not really free." And he goes, "What do you mean?" Now, the guy owned restaurants and stuff, and so he knew he knew a lot about business. And I said, "Don't you understand that if you're not paying somebody, you're not the customer?" And he goes, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, um, if I'm not paying you, am I the customer?" He goes, "Well, no. The guy who pays me is the customer." I said, who's paying these guys? The guys are selling your order, too. To, Tom, just one final comment that go, goes along with what you're saying. Absolutely true. And, and listeners need to know this, that that it isn't for free, that the way it's being advertised is that there, there are no commissions. There are fees still. And the same thing if you're buying an ETF, the same thing if you're buying a mutual fund. I've had people show me, you know, prospects prospective clients that that fortunately are becoming clients but they're showing me um you know uh, cash accounts or treasury accounts and they're telling me that they're they're um free and then i'm looking at the return of three percent where i'm producing now five and a half six percent on my treasury accounts so it's they're not free and i think you make a really good point um and and i think the listeners need to know that and we can help them if they want to if they want us to explain to them where the fees are coming from. Well, what uh, second part of the last question? Second part of the year, we have all kinds of people, especially since we had a big update on Tuesday. Are absolutely, yeah. you know, this this AI frosts the hell out of me because if you did time lapse photography, what a year ago would have been the cloud, the year before that it would have been China, and five years before that it was internet. I mean, there's always some there something is. at the end of the rainbow. That's yeah, going to make a stock. Yeah, that, that, that's make is going to make a stock worth five times more than than maybe a, a fundamental analyst would say. Which isn't to say that a stock that's growing fast shouldn't be way higher in terms of uh, P/E ratios and stuff than other stocks. We we all know that. Uh, but it's it's this constant. There is there is no tomorrow. It's it was it was a Kathy Wood of a few years ago, and all of a sudden she's in the wrong stocks. But now it's it's AI, and and it's funny. I have people that have told me, Dan, you know, out, out of work. You got to be all over this Nvidia because they've got these chips. In the last two weeks, what do we get? Like three other firms say they've got the same chips. Yeah, I agree. I'm 100% on board with you on that. Technology changes very quickly, and what what's hot today, and what the what the what the you know the the perception is of what hot is what's hot and what's 
There's no question there's upside in terms of the technology. It does not equate to a better stock price. No. No, it doesn't. Well, Dan, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, so uh, you were impressed with Boston. Hey, did you go see uh, do you know, one of Kenny's uh, uh, family's restaurants? <laughs> yeah, I passed by plenty. I think I was telling you that there's some um, – I did see that they now have a um, picture of him on the outside. <laughs> God. Well, Manny, Manny Weber, uh, Kenny told him about three or four, but he and his wife went out there maybe before they were married. And he said he went to two or three of them. They were terrific. And every, all you had to do was say you knew Kenny. You were treated like a king. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, it should be. Yeah. Anyway, take care of yourself. But SP right, was up 16. NASDAQ was up 52. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen Andrew on the board. We have SP Futures up 11, NASDAQ Futures up 32. We've been up uh, pretty much all morning, but now we're uh, 
first quarter economic growth was actually 2% now, they're saying, up from 1.3% first reported. And the major, in a major GDP revision, all that has to do is what you do, what your deflator is. And uh, I'm not so sure that I believe the deflator. So what I'm talking about here is you look at your total cost of goods or total uh, production of goods and services, which is your GDP, but then you have to look at what your price level is versus the year before. So if the prices have doubled and your GDP has doubled, you haven't got anywhere. So you have to you have to deflate it by something. And I'm going to look in here. I'll see here at some point. Not today. I'll show you it tomorrow. Uh, what the GDP deflator was, and I, I'm not going to sure any of us are going to buy that. Anyway, S&P is up 11. Nasdaq is up 33. Dow Futures up 117. The market has not moved on this number because it's kind of an old number. Rearview mirror. DAX up 25.1 percent. FTSE down 28.4 percent. Kekaron up 43.6 percent. So partially the upside, uh, basically up mixed over there. Nikkei up 40.1 percent. Hang Seng down 237. It's one and a quarter percent. Uh, as those guys fly back under 19,000. Shanghai uh, uh, down 7.2%, so I'm going to say to the negative over in, uh, certainly in um, China. Yesterday the Dow was down 74, S&P down a buck and a half, NASDAQ up 36, so a very inside day, as they say on the floor, an inside day and a very, uh, I'm going to say mixed, not even one way or the other. Uh, bonds up 8 basis points, 3.79, I guess that's from the GDP number. The bond up 6 basis points, 2.38. Japan unchanged at 0.39. We've got oil down 7 cents, 69.49, so under 70 bucks. Brent down 5 cents, 73.98. Natural gas unchanged, 266. Arbob down a penny, 258. Uh, we've got gold down 290, 19.19. Kind of at the lower end of this range. We'll see if it's going to lower. It'll be another range, but right now it's it's been a buy here the last few months. Now, whether it is again, uh, well, I guess we got to buy it or sell it and find out. Silver down three cents, twenty-three oh five. Uh, copper down five cents, three sixty-six. We've got Bitcoin up five sixty now, thirty thousand six thirty-seven, and we've got the U.S. dollar uh, actually down reasonably heavy here. Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry, the dollar is unchanged. I was looking at the TNX. The TNX is up uh, the three point seven, the ten-year rate is what we just talked about. The dollar and uh, against the euro and the pound is pretty much unchanged here. Andrew, what do you got for us? Trevi Weather Sports. All right, it is a 7.40 here in Chicago, starting off with some sports and baseball. Over in Phoenix, Diamondbacks lost to the Rays 3-2. The White Sox won over the Angels 11-5. And the Cubs lost to the Phillies 8-5. Over in Chicago right now, the weather's at 71 degrees with a slight chance of rain today, around 14% at the moment. Uh, but we're looking out for that air quality alert right now. Uh, the air is pretty smoky, so it's recommended to stay indoors as much as possible today and maybe for the next few days as well. Uh, but over in Phoenix, uh, they have their own issues. They're at 78 degrees right now, sunny skies, but they have an excessive heat watch. It looks like it's going to hit around 105 degrees around 5 p.m. Yeah, but they can't they can't see their error there. We can. No. <laughs> they can't see it, but they can certainly feel it a lot more. Uh, but finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, no major accidents to report, but a lot of red today, um, especially if you're coming in from that Kennedy construction all the way from Austin Avenue, nearly all the way to downtown is in the red, and it's about the same for every other inbound expressway and a little bit on the outbound, too. Uh, so, again, no major specific accidents to report, but um, give me a heavy one coming in today. So that's all I got. Back so, to you. So uh, we have Mr. Flanagan. You do. Good morning, Tom. Um, my question for both of you, 
gentlemen. Uh, is this going to affect your daily life? In a major discovery, scientists say gravitational waves constantly churn space and time, seemingly affirming an Einstein theory. Now, is that going to affect your guys' day for lunch today and so forth? Uh, well, I, gravity is a lot different now. Time doesn't still move at the same rate all the time. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like it's moving faster, doesn't it, as you get older? I'll stay. Yeah, function of my age, Tom. Yeah, it's a function of age. It's, uh, yeah, I still, uh, what is so you've been kind of listening in on uh, what I was talking with Dan, and uh, and Dan really brings a, a boatload of stuff to the table, obviously. Um, what, what, what do you make of all this, uh, Jan? I should never have read uh, uh, Freedom from Fear, because I'm going to bring it in next week, and I'm going <laughs> to quote, quote some of the pages where they, they talk about uh, a, a society that is growing like this way, where we're, we're the, the seemingly wealth bubble in, 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 I'll use the term paper. It's not paper. I mean, a paper is, is ownership of, of real places, so I would never really talk about stock as paper, but I'll say valuations are kind of moving one way and income kind of the other way for some people or not fast enough, and it... it it made it all the way through the 20s where everybody thought everybody was doing great unless you looked at everybody. And one day there was a big comeuppance. Now, we've gotten a lot better at managing not to have comeuppances, uh, I'll say. But can you go forever like that? My, my view after reading this and several different times it happened, not just that time, is that there's always, there's always a day you pay the piper. And I... It, but I am also stunned, if I went on national TV, everybody would say, they'd be all over me, well, if you're right, how come nothing bad has happened so far? You know, even, even, I mean, I am sort of astounded, John, that I went through the, when Nancy was on this week, I went through the numbers on the air, you were here, and yeah. basically the cost of a home for somebody is doubled. Would you look at the market, the mortgage, and uh, the house, the if in less than areas where prices have come down, which none of have here, really, uh, is is essentially doubled at least in four years. And I'm going to say, if you add insurance and taxes onto that, it's probably pushing two and a half to maybe three times as much. Maybe three times is too much. Maybe two and a half times as much. I don't see how in God's name people can withstand it. Now, initially, the only people moving, because nobody's really lost their job, so we got that going for us, Initially, you know, the only people moving are people who have a house to sell and buy another one, so they don't care. They're making a trade. It's like an option spread. Okay, I don't care what prices you do the options on. I'm only paying a buck for the spread, right? And uh, so I'm selling my place and I'm buying that place, and it's costing me 50G. I don't really care what the prices are. It's the same as an option spread. But once you get past that, when you come by, when we talk about real, when I say real buyers, they're real buyers too. But uh, I don't know how I don't know how you how that doesn't you know, leave a mark at some point. I mean, it, and yet it hasn't. It absolutely hasn't. I mean, so I would be a blithering idiot on TV saying, well, yeah, you're right. It hasn't happened yet. And maybe people like me that keep saying you got to be careful should just shut the hell up. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm at that point. Where you, well, I think it's, you know, there's a lot more stress and tension than people want to admit. And, you know, I think it's, it's become sort of counterproductive to, you know, you know, hem and haw about this and you know wring your hands over it people have just kind of accepted the fact that they're not going to have some of the comforts that they expected to have 
effort, certainly that they knew their, their parents expected to have. And they're going to have to do without, they're going to have to push the timing back on buying a house, maybe push it back indefinitely. Um, education has you know, skyrocketed, automobiles are out of sight. So it isn't as if people are going to revolt over this. Um, maybe they should, but I think it's just more likely that they're just going to continue to be beat up by it. And they'll think it's, the times are better just because they haven't completely bottomed out. And that, to me, is, is a kind of dangerous emotional state to be in, because it just means you're willing to accept more and more deprivation until it, it becomes unacceptable. And, I, you know, where that point is and what, what, what's going to drive people after they reach that, I don't think we have any sense. We've, we've got the past to show us. And you know, we came as close to a revolution in this country in the 20s and 30s as anybody ever thought we could. You know what? Why why doesn't uh, why don't why don't no regular people? When I say regular people, it's kind of an awful thing to say. What you just said, Jan. Most people have no idea how how close things got and how regular people were essentially checking out other forms of government. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, but but every, if you were to ask around, everybody's convinced that everybody just basically uh, bent over and said, uh, you know, thank you, sir, I have another, and hung in there and realized that our system was the best, and and that was just the way it was, and there was no no sort of a a look back whatsoever. I mean, and yet, um, if you read one of the most fascinating books, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay much attention to the last few chapters because I don't really didn't give a crap that much about accidental petroleum the uh arm and hammer by arm and hammer his autobiography is one of the most fascinating books i've ever read in terms of a period piece yeah, because he grew up just in these times and he had money and he was in new york you talk about how you know what, what it was like living in those days and uh and and you know you you, you lose and his dad was a, a doctor that's why he's dr arm and hammer he actually was a doctor he was a doctor one night, believe it or not. Uh, he went to med school. His dad was a doctor, and went to a, um, I mean, it was a, a communist or socialist gathering, just to, to see. You know, we weren't exactly doing so hot with our quote democracy, when everybody's out of work and everybody's broke. So he went to this thing, and he must have got caught there or something, and they didn't throw him in jail for that, but he went to deliver a baby and somehow the baby was breached or something something and uh the baby died so they accused him of deliver of doing an abortion which he never did he never intended to do it never did it but somehow or another they convicted him and he's in jail for like 10 years so the kid Ar- armenham or dr armenham instead of having to get on the train and go see his dad every weekend in upstate new york decided to go to russia and when he got to Russia, you know, he gets on the train. We're talking about how you, when you got on the, the uh, Trans-Siberian Express, there were no lights. You had to buy your own candles if you wanted to have a light where you were sitting. You had to have all your own food or everything. You had to pile on yourself. Can you imagine what that thing smelled like? Uh, and he meets some guy, and he, he ended up uh, being in the asbestos business, and he made a boatload of money in Russia making pencils. Evidently, pencils are a really hard thing to do. <laughs> I mean, if, if you and I didn't have any machinery uh it's very very difficult to make a pencil to make the drill that way and put the put the graphite in there and a bit I, i'd never precision do that. machinery yeah pretty much and to make a pencil anyway so but he made a fortune over there 
in, uh, in, in Russia, and, and, but it was not obvious here. There were people that were getting a little wobbly. Are we sure this is working? Because it wasn't working for most people. And there were people who were saying, are these other ways of government potentially better? And it was more of a, it was less of a result, re- revolt, I think, at least the way it was explained in the book, it was less of a revolt than just a curiosity. Well, this isn't working. How, how are they doing? You know, type of thing. Uh, and there was greater acceptance of voices of dissent than two times, more than we see today, I think. Uh, there's a wonderful book uh, by Alan Brinkley, who's a, I think he's a Columbia, called Voices of Protest that I read some years ago. It came out in the 80s. But it's a study of the, the political climate in the 30s and how people like Huey Long and Father Charles Coughlin and Lemke and Townsend and well, Hattie Father Coughlin, he was the guy who had the two-hour the two show every, every Sunday, right, on radio? Yeah, the, the golden hour of the little flower for yeah. his... You know, the National Shrine of the Little Flower up in Royal Oak, Michigan. Um, and he started out, you know, initially he was in Roosevelt's camp in the 32 election, but became completely disillusioned with, with Roosevelt. And there was there were rumors that he was going to take on Roosevelt in 36 or 1940. Right. But but he had an enormous fall. Enor- we have no conception today. I mean, it's the kind of passion that maybe Trump and some other people can, can say that, you know, they get it wherever they go. Um, and this kind of fuels their, their political you know, energy. But there were a lot of people like that in the 30s. Some of the stuff you know, would be pretty far out by our standards even today. And Social Security was not yet you know, a reality. And people were pushing you know, universal health care and everything else. Upton Sinclair, you know, this utopian vision of California. And, uh, but this was mainstream politics. And I guess my point is, it was not only tolerated, but it was a pretty vibrant culture. And, you know, of course, Huey Long got assassinated. Charles Coughlin was silenced by his diocese. And other people kind of fell by the wayside. But I think people were pretty worried you know, about the, the extent to which this might lead to well, a complete you, overthrow. You, you, you look at it from an economic point of You look at it from an economic point of view, and I've, I've read, you know, a while ago, I read a reasonable amount about the Roosevelt administration, and I think the uh, he was shocked, the administration was shocked at how vehement some of the uh, opposition was, to the point where uh, I don't think it was possible in those days, and at that day and age, to really even know from somebody who grew up in New York, he was part of the landed gentry, it landed in the White House. I mean, uh, I mean, he had his issues, obviously, with health, so he knew a lot about that. Uh, but to even realize how bad things were for people, I mean, and, and, the, and to to look at things, I mean, right now, the solutions are not obvious. But even when you look at some of these horrible neighborhoods in Chicago, in terms of economics and in terms of family life and everything, you can you can bitch about it all day long and say people should do this and do that. The fact is. <clears throat> If everybody had the solutions where if we do these five things in two years, this is all going to be better, maybe they'd come to the front. The front. As a matter of fact, the, the, at one point, the administration, um, they sent, uh, there's all kinds of rumors that it was uh, his wife's gay lover, who the hell knows, uh, Eleanor, but one of her friends was this big-time, uh, I'll say, news reporter, writer, and they gave her a car and a driver back when there were hardly any roads. This was 1933 or whatever. And basically sent her around the country, it, Hopkins did, uh, Roosevelt's guy, it wasn't even Roosevelt's idea, 
I said, we need to know how bad everything really is. And sent her on like a two or three month trip, writing back mails and sending stuff back to the White House and every area she went. And she went places and the, the, the information coming back, Hopkins and the White House, they were horrified. They were absolutely horrified. That the, you know, the people in, in the, in the, in the uh, western West Virginia, the coal miners were you know, eating sawdust with, with bacon grease in it and it, it went down to the, share, the uh, sharecroppers and there were, there were programs to give, agricultural programs to give the people who own the land some money uh, to not grow because they wanted the prices to come up with the stipulation that you, you share that with the sharecroppers. Well, of course, nobody did. Then you had a bunch of white people from the north, not a bunch, but some went down, were so incensed by it that they were went down and were demonstrating that you guys weren't sharing the money with the people who were working on the... I mean, it was... It was, was well, you weren't owned by anybody, but it was, was in terms of your daily life, it was probably worse than slavery was in terms of day-to-day existence, or at least on a par. Oh, absolutely. In a, absolutely. So, so they were... So then those guys were down there, and they're all kind of... The Ku Klux Klan is hanging these guys. I mean, we're talking about... They tried to get a, a, a national no-lynching law through, and it was one of the biggest... It was the longest filibuster at the time they filibustered the thing. How could you not have an, an anti-lynching law? I mean, for God's sake, this is the stuff that Roosevelt was. So yeah, he had he had major amounts of criticism, but it wasn't like, you know, there there were a bunch of stuff. Everybody just wanted to try whatever they wanted to try was something else. You know, it was like uh, it, I don't think anybody had any idea how far the depths. And I think in the book Kennedy's Freedom from Fear, the depths had already been there, all the way through the twenties. It would, it, that the that the sharecroppers were in horse horse bleep shape. That the people in the, 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 the that's why I'm so worried about what we're doing right now. Is we're leaving eighty percent of the population behind. Now, granted, we're not sharecropping now and that kind of thing, and people aren't in coal mines. But at an economic level, it's almost the same thing. We're leaving vast parts of the of the economy behind because the people who have, I'll say, paper assets are feeling fat and happy. That's that's not healthy, John. It's healthy that my clients are making money. It's not healthy that other people aren't coming with them, I guess is what I'm saying. And, you know, an- another point, I mean, Roosevelt promised a lot in his first term and, of course, won, you know, by landslide in 1936, but there were a lot of disaffected people who had supported him, you know, strongly initially and became disillusioned with his seriousness. Um, that same Brinkley guy I mentioned a minute ago has another book called The End of Reform. And the whole thing is about how FDR retreated from everything he had kind of hoped to do or promised to do in his first term. And that, you know, from 36 to 1940 was you know, a, a complete a turnaround for him. Well, they had. Politically, because he knew he couldn't sustain this and the, the country was not prepared to really address these things head on. Of course, the bad times continued. Well, we're, ne- we're never prepared. We're never prepared, actually. We're never right. prepared for that. No, but for World War II, we'd still be, you know, the, the doldrums. But um, I, I do think the political class is even more clueless today and blind. About what's doubt. going on around them. Than well, they I think he had he had way did. more knowledge about what was going on to every man than, than Biden or Trump. I mean, I don't, there's no, I don't think there's any comparison to the intelligence of the two people. I mean, uh, no, but I, I would I would link Trump to you know the phenomenon. Of, you know, what, where FDR's strength came from initially, um, as somebody who understood people and spoke their language, and you know, like Trump or not, the people who like Trump 
really like him right, because but, he speaks their language. Well, he, he does in ways that Biden or, or other people never. He, he does to a to a certain extent, but I, actually, one of the other things about Armand Hammer's book is somebody asked him, "Who were the most intelligent people you ever met?" He said, "Without without question, the smartest man he ever met was Franklin Roosevelt." And guess who he had as number two? You'll never guess. I don't think it was Wendell Wolke. No. Lenin. Oh, Lenin. Because <laughs> Lenin actually turned, right before he got killed, L- Lenin realized that his brand of communism was not working economically. In the last year or two of his life, he actually turned that around dramatically. And then when, uh, was it Stalin came in after? Uh, yeah. Stalin went back to the very repressive... Lenin was bringing people out of that, and the economy was responding pretty well. I'm not saying the guy's a saint, but he, he, Roosevelt would have, I think every 20 minutes all day long, John, the guy would bring uh, people in from industries. You could get an audience with him, and they, you could talk to him, and he would pick your brain back, basically. Said the dude knew more about every industry and stuff by talking to people than anybody. He had an absolutely photographic memory. And he remembered like every conversation, and he was. Well, he was, he was always doing that kind of grunt work that, you know, it translated to you know, completely outside his popularity. Uh, more, you know, I can't think of anybody in history who would be close to getting a third term, let alone a fourth term, uh, other than FDR, just for the common touch that he, you know, well, showed. People. The uh, what a lot of people, uh, unless you read it, at the issue in a second, but. Roosevelt was was singularly responsible for the atomic bomb because uh, who was the God, who was the Italian uh, Nobel Fermi. Prize winner? Yeah, Enrico Fermi comes Fermi. over. He met with some people. Get a load of this. He met. He goes to the the Navy Department, and there's an admiral he's supposed to go see. And the captain, now the guy's a Nobel Prize winner. The captain goes into the, uh, and I can say this because I'm Italian. The captain goes into the admiral and said, "Some WAP wants to see you." That was the introduction of Enrico Fermi to the Admiral. And he had this long story about this atomic energy and how it could be very destructive and other people are doing this and kind of you better get on board. And they just dismissed him totally. Just get the hell out of here. Well, some months later, somebody's wife knew Eleanor Roosevelt and said, this guy's here from, from Italy. He's a Nobel Prize winner. you got to listen to him. So Eleanor puts him on Franklin's schedule for like a, one of these 20 minute meetings and when he went in and started talking to him he like cancelled the next two meetings and said I gotta listen to this guy and and he essentially started the atomic program Roosevelt did because and he's like who are the idiots you talk to at the Navy and I, how'd they throw you out basically um, and he if, if it wasn't for him in this interview I don't I don't think the Germans would have got there because the amount of work it took to, to get a bomb together we wouldn't have had one Pretty scary. The Japanese might have beaten us to it. The, uh, not really. It took. It took. They were. They were working on it. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? German. They 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 were working on it. But it, the next chapter was all about how many people and how much it took to create the first bomb and how many how many loads of uranium and there's no way you could have done that. It was it was something like two hundred thousand people were working on it. Jen. There was a right. massive. And, and after the Nagasaki bomb, they, we had kind of blown our wall. Well, yeah, there were a couple more, but yeah, but it took it. it, I don't know how many thousand tons of 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 uranium one kind it takes to get enough for one. But but I'm saying the the Germans had no capability of doing that. Plus, they didn't have any uranium in in Germany, where we do. We did. They they had expertise on those. There's 
it's good you know, that we drafted people like Werner von Braun and all these other people after the war because they they would have had strategic weapons unlike the ones we had that they were going. We didn't have like a V1 or V2 program well, at all. There's some, uh, we won't be able to talk about this next week because you can do the research. You love doing it. Something like 8 or 12, uh, including Einstein, uh, Nobel Prize winners had gotten the hell out of Germany and were over here before the war started. And we were a huge beneficiary of, of a massive brain drain out of out of Europe. especially oh, in the arts community and everything else. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. SP Futures, we're unchanged now. NASDAQ Futures down six. We were up. No, we're not. We're unchanged. We'll be back uh, tomorrow with Stocks and Jacks. Thank you, Jen. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.